Hello and welcome to this week's Companies and Markets show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Algie Hall. How are you doing, Algie? Good, thanks, John. Excellent. This week, it's getting quieter on the markets. Yep. Company results-wise and, and such the like, but... That's why we're going to focus on the stock screen, your, your regular feature in the magazine. And uh, un- this un- is a good one, very topical as well. Un- unwittingly so, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, I, I kind of, I've stumbled into Brexit with this one. Yay! Um, <laughs> Something we always try and avoid yeah. talking about on this podcast. And in fact, try and avoid talking about it in the magazine because I can't work out what's going on, can you? Well, no, I don't, I don't know if anyone can. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's partly um, the intro to my stock screen. It's just trying to fathom what on earth an investors to conclude about the present situation. Well, I, th- I think you conclude that, that things could not be messier or more confusing yes, than, than where but, we are right now. But also, I've kind of given a contrarian um, olive branch to my um, stock screen, which is the best of British stock screen, trying to pick domestically focused shares. Or best of British, is, as, uh, as you, you <laughs> put it in the uh, online version, which we quickly had to correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a subconscious typo. Is there such a thing as um, best of Brexit? Well, I, I we did, will see. Yes, yeah. I, I, I think I think I did do a um, very thematic bre- best of Brexit stock screen once, which was um, everything non-sterling denominated <laughs> in work? terms of revenue. Did it work? I did have a brief look at it, but I did it as a one-off. I think it played to the theme of sterling weakness, basically. Mm. So, um, so anyway, your intro, let's, let's talk through this, because cause when I read this... I. I actually came back to him and said, mm, "Are you sure about that bit?" Well, you thought you thought I was being a bit too um, bold and yeah. in in, um, in my statements about the arguments probably being overegged on every side. Yeah, no, I mean, what I like about this intro as a as a kind of summary of the political situation we're in now is that this is piss, this will piss everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thought, the only way I can do justice to the Brexit debate, which everyone's so sensitive about is to say something which everyone will be able to find some offence with. I actually went to see um, the comedian Jonathan Pye last night, and that's, that's his approach as well. So, <laughs> so you're in good company there. Algie. Well, I mean, and- I mean, the irony of the debate is that um, it's polarised because of the way the question was framed. But in actual fact, the countries, um, you know, as we saw in the referendum, is split almost exactly down the middle, which means the only thing which really should be happening is people should be immediately looking, oh, OK, so we need to make compromises and essentially have an outcome which um, no one's going to be happy with. Well, there's a paragraph here. Actually, I love what you say here. You know, the, the best of Britain's screen could benefit if the country can move things forward, especially <laughs> if it is in the spirit of intelligent compromise. We seem a long way from that, right? Now. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, that is well, everything crossed. Well, maybe, maybe we should believe in the wisdom of crowds where, um, you know, all, all the kind of, you know, the, the the spread spread of opinion coalesce into um into that kind of intel- intelligent workable compromise in the end. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I, okay, yeah, who, yeah. I don't know if politics works that way. <laughs> we shouldn't talk about politics. No, it's we shouldn't. Not what we do I mean, as a magazine. No, uh, and and, 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 and I mean also I have you know my 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 you know views of, of no consequence to the market as a you know. Any investors. So, I mean, the, the, the issue for, you know, us as people who are trying to understand where the market may go is to look and see, is there a potential upside to what's going on at the moment? And I suppose what, what the, the potential upside that I've, that I've, you know, looked at in the piece is based on the fact that sentiments are very negative towards UK um, and domestically focused companies because of this um, kind of shadow hanging over or this, this shadow of uncertainty hanging over the domestic economy. Yeah, and, and that's actually quite interesting. I, li- I like this point you've made, 
about the various arguments that are being put forward across the spectrum of debate, which is that everyone, everyone is predicting the worst from, yeah. from, from whichever form of Brexit they don't believe in. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and it's easy to do. No one can predict what's going to happen. So um, you, can, you can, you know, string together an argument of a poor economic outcome for the side that you don't support. Yeah, I mean, people, re- I mean, you mentioned that, you know, that people are making parallels between the UK and, and Greece. Oh, no. That, that so seems this quite is, this extreme. Is, no, this, was, this, this is not in relation to the Brexit debate. This is um, when I first came up with this screen. The whole point of it was uh, it was in 2011 during um, the campaign for austerity economics, I suppose mm, is what you uh, call, would call it. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about the similarities between, you know, Britain was becoming, you know, like Greece. Whereas in actual fact, it did have a big borrowing requirement, day-to-day borrowing requirement. But if you looked at the debt, the level of debt compared to GDP and also the maturity of debt and the, the terms which um, people were prepared to buy debt off from the country from, it was such a laughable parallel. It was a kind of, you know, mainstream panicky, you know, reaction to the credit crisis. Which, and, which uh, I guess... And wanting to have a certain policy response. Which but, I guess um, just goes... an opportunity. Sh- which I guess just goes to show we should be very careful with these sort of broad brush statements that are often made. Yeah, I mean, the, know, yeah. About, about markets and economies and... Yeah, the, the politicking of it is, um, is quite incredible at, at, at times. Having said um, that, you now have to pay to lend to the Greek government <laughs> as of this week. Or would you pay to lend to the Greek government, Algy? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt they'd be that interested in what I could offer them. <laughs> we, we live in strange times. Let's talk about the screen. Okay, yeah. So, so, so domestically focused companies, one of the key criteria being they do at least three quarters of, of their revenue in the UK. In the, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, surprisingly, last year, in fact, surprisingly over the long, longish term, yes. it's done really well. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it had three bad years because um, uh, the vote referendum would have happened um, kind of, uh, so, you know, it's, it's about three years ago, but it really clobbered the screen right at the end of its one-year period. And then it had two more really bad years. But then last year, suddenly, it's kind of come back with a vengeance. And um, so the screen results were, I, I, I kind of, I look at the um, top five, really, because it's quite a narrow narrow screen so the top five is kind of of interest i um with this one and they and they delivered a 34 percent total return compared with nine percent from the uh FTSE 350 which is where it selects shares from and then if what, sort take, of com- what sort of companies are we talking about in this uh top five? um well you know builders merchants and house builders really we've got primary health properties as well which is um uh, which did very well also. But, um, I mean, the builders seem to have made a, you know, they, I mean, Marshalls, which is, um, sells building products, made a staggering contribution and is back in the screen, um, uh, this year as well. But block, then, block got, paving. Block paving, yeah. Spent a lot of block paving this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they do, they, they, they have been very innovative with their products. I mean, it always sound, you know, Marshalls and, uh, you know, in, innovation. It is that, it's that, it kind of, they don't really fit together too easily in one, in one's mind, but they they have been doing a lot of product innovation, which has really helped them. And they've got, I mean, you know, they've had an incredibly phenomenal, um, uh, you know, run of increasing sales in the relatively um, subdued market, and also raising margins. And they've released a five year plan to produce more of the same. But I mean, but my my question in terms of assessing them in the screen is, they've had such a good run, and um, you know, they've they've come so far that. You almost wonder where where they can go now. Mm, 
I mean, it, it almost it, it almost looks like a property screen actually when when you actually look at the companies mm. that, that, that came out of the top last year and also this year as well. There's a definite yeah property. I mean, the only four that actually passed the full screen, but we've got Howden's Joinery, uh, GCP Student Living, Right Move, and Marshalls, the ones for the, from this year. Um, and all, all of them have a kind of a, a, a property link. Mm. I mean, in, 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 you know, quite different ways, actually. Whereas last year, it was, it was the house builders who dominated the screen and, and, did, and did very well also. I mean, I, I suppose, you know, looking at last year's results, one of the really interesting things is um, because the house building set, because people are so worried about it falling off the cliff, a cliff, it's the kind of valuations um, at, at this time last year were... Um, Pretty much as you know, is is as low as um, they you know. I think they did get lower in December, but then they've come back. So you, you've got that situation of valuations being pushed down low enough that they provide a really good floor, for, you know, for some of these stocks from, from a year ago. So a bit of timing, timing helping you out here. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's yeah, completely. Yeah, the screens, it's, it's just you know, it's on a yearly cycle. So you know. It's the luck of the draw on timing. All right, so tell us, tell us what we're looking for in terms of companies that you want to pass. You know, what tests do they need to pass? How I define the best <laughs> in terms of, we've, we've talked about how I define British, so 75% of revenue from the UK. But, reasonable. So the best is simply um, strong share price momentum. And then it's backed up by a few other soft momentum and quali- um, quality tests. And I, even it's not even that strong share price momentum. It's just in the top half of all um, FTSE 350 shares in the last three months. So there is one company that would have passed all the tests but failed the momentum test, and that's, uh, that's Greg's this year. Oh, yes, yeah. Which, I mean, I think it's a fascinating company. Uh, you were telling me earlier that, that it's, it's come out top of a... There was a YouGov st- survey of right. the most popular high street eating brands, which, um, yeah, Tom Dines put under my nose uh, yesterday. And, and Greg's is the most popular um, high street eating brand, apparently. Extraordinary. So yeah, I don't eat there. I haven't. Maybe I'll need to. Uh, well, yeah, I know. Maybe maybe we all need, we all will be revisiting it because I mean, it's, there are lots of people who wouldn't think about going to you know going to Greg's. But the shares have got mud. Um, I mean, they've been absolutely hammered in the last. Uh, what, what's your three month momentum? Uh, minus nineteen percent. Yeah, let's. Yeah, no, no. They yeah. The they, faith has been shattered for some reason. Although, um, I mean, yeah, they 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 did um, perform very strongly and were a real hot favourite. And I mean, they still are. They're, the rating's still, you know, pretty punchy. Um, so it could it, it could be steam coming out um, of the sales a bit recently. Should we talk about the top four? Uh, you met, so we talked about Marshalls, yeah, with whom I have spent an enormous amount of money over the last year. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Howden's, another company with which I have spent an enormous amount of money over the last year. And and likewise, I did a few years ago. Yeah, no, ha- yeah, and Howden's is a great... I mean, Howden's has a really interesting model because it sells to the trade, avoids the high street in terms of um, the kind of property properties it rents. So the kind of cost base is very different. The client base is very different. Small builders um, seem to be still doing good business. Yes, but um, they, so they offer quite generous credit terms there, and yeah, they give um, eight weeks credit so that the builder can do the job, and then and then once he's he or she has collected the money, then pay Howden's. And and generally, it will be the builder who will say, "Look, go, go and have a look at the Howden's catalogue, customer, and yeah, see what you yeah, like." And then go and, into and the we'll, showroom, meet the designer who'll put the designs together, and the showroom. Make sure you have everything you need. And the showroom tends to be 
in the sort of worst industrial estate on yes, in yeah, town yeah. You're, you're because tr- it's the cheapest. <laughs> but that's fine. Absolutely. But that's fine. I mean, and also, if you're getting a kitchen, you don't mind going to, you know, where where you know wherever it is. I mean, you don't you don't need a high street showroom for selling kitchens. No, really. Um, as their posture off, but where, yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So so and then then it, then it also just you know constantly tries to you know make make the business work i suppose you'd say you know kind of it's experimenting with um you know more cost effective um stores and um it's kind of it's, you know investing a lot in you know distribution always and you know i think just all those kind of important things to um to make sure the business is well run yeah I, I, it's very impressive from you know from the outside i guess that's the key and uh, you mentioned in the piece that it's you know it's investing a lot of money this year in in its sort of uh, in depots mm-hmm expanding the network and and from the sound of things investing more in the ones that it already has so a positive sign but there are some risks here well this, yeah. this is what i this I, I looked at the share when we were buying our kitchen this company's great <laughs> i mean this this service it was fantastic it was a really easy experience with howden's yeah well the building um, handles so much of it also yeah but you, but you the customer go in there and you know you choose your kitchen yeah you put you put the design together you know uh so, but but it was just it was just and you know everything's it's just so easy it's so easy yeah um i would concur but i had in the kitchen but you know where we are in the economic cycle you've got to have some worries about a company yeah, like this of course yeah i mean it, it, it did it did get through um the last recession fairly well but um, I mean, it's cyclical. I mean, this is yeah, it's a cyclical market. When when there's a recession, less kitchens are fitted. Um, and I mean, also they, I mean, it's held up pretty well, even even with their housing market slowing a bit, though, which is quite interesting. It's definitely cyclical. It does. I mean, what you could say is that it doesn't have the level of fixed costs that it would do if it was on the high street. Mm. You know, if the model was slightly different, moderately raised shares as well, actually. Yeah, which is which is the fear fact. I mean, they they derated as soon as the uh, um, Brexit referendum happened. They haven't re-rated since. Mm. So, which yeah, it kind of tells you everything you need to know really about. <laughs> so, <laughs> those, those should there be risks. should there be some intelligence compromise? <laughs> Quotey fingers. <laughs> this Indeed. one could be off to the races. Um, thinking with property, right move has popped out of this screen. Yes, yeah. Which which actually, I I mean, I at the moment, I I kind of think possibly it looks more exposed um, to the cycle than. Um, than Howden's, which is a funny thing to say, because Right Move have have a great model where they just charge um, estate agents by the office, and estate agents can't afford not to advertise with Right Move. Right Move now, I think, just because it's so all pervasive, well, the network care. effect in action. I mean, Right Move essentially killed the uh, local newspaper industry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did. It's, and, and like you know, what I mean, what a better service it provides. Also, it's kind of you know, as long as you've got a you know internet access, it's kind of what you know? What what would you prefer? The kind of this kind of you know, search where you can see exactly what you want and get loads of detail compared to you know the old adverts in the newspapers. What what looks good about yeah. the numbers here? I mean, then the shares are not cheap. The show, yeah, on a I mean, basis, the, but, but but there's a, there's stuff <coughs> behind it to sort of justify that. that well, I, it, the, I mean, you you could actually I think now say the shares are cheap if if um, estate agents don't start closing offices in real numbers. This is this is the issue with the right move is that um because it charges per office um if p- if offices start closing that's when it's going to be hurt and it's got such penetration now it you know it it is likely to move with those you know numbers of estate agents 
And also, it charges so much more now for its services than it did in the last recession. It may well find it's got less leeway to increase prices to offset office closures if, um, you know, tough times are ahead for it. Mm. I mean, we, we know that tough times exist for estate agents and um, Zoopla, its um, main listed rival, is already um, suffering. But just because Zoopla is suffering doesn't mean Rightmove is because maybe people are just deciding to spend all their money with Rightmove. Because right move is so dominant. Network effects. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like you know, if 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 you if you need to save money, and you're advertising with them, the, the dominant player and someone, yeah, it's someone less dominant. You just well, there's the other one as well, player. isn't it? On on the market. On the market, yeah. I hear much about them these days. <laughs> I mean, it, it it just shows that you know, right move has a business which is very hard. You know, it's got a moat which is very hard for anyone else to cross. And I guess from an investor perspective, one of the most you know interesting things about this company is that you know. Come rain or shine, you know, it's it's very efficient. Does yeah. not require a lot of money to be put into this to, to keep it ticking over. Absolutely, the capital needs is really minimal, and it just returns um, cash by the bucket load to its shareholders. And yeah, it's I mean it's yeah it's so it's I mean it's you know it's wonderful in in, in those terms. And you know, just buying back shares gives a massive boost to you know EPS and all all of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I mean, but you know, if it, it, yeah, the question is. How mature is it? And, um, you know, what, what happens if um, estate agents really, you know, just start shutting up shop left, right and centre? Which we're not so. seeing signs of just yet. Well, no, well, maybe we're seeing the first signs. Well, so, yeah, there, there, actually, one, one, there was one very small estate agent that did shut uh, in my town, as I noticed walking around the corner the other day. But, but just the one. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, well... You know, well, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> but, um, and, and the final company is uh, GCP. Yes, yeah, which which is in some ways an exporter because it kind of um, yeah. houses foreign students. Um, I'd never really thought about in it the UK that way until you wrote that. Well, it's, it's you know education is is one of the great British exports. Yeah, but um, people have to come here to <laughs> to do it to do it mainly. And and but the th- I mean the interesting thing is the debate over um over over you know overseas students um has changed um with well, quite recently actually, quite recently it? with um yeah it, uh, the new prime minister especially you know making very positive si- sounds about you know we really want you know people to come here and study and stay for two years you know that's fine so there, there seems to be a lot less paranoia about you know students coming over and not being real students and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, which you know makes sense because you know the university sector does make a lot of money so, so and, um, I mean, admissions are up quite quite strongly this yeah, year. Yeah, and and um, they're predicted to be up um, very strongly next year, mainly from non-EU students. Uh, so yeah, you know, it, it, it looks like um, yeah, it, I mean, it looks like everything is going quite well on that front. What isn't going so well? What what doesn't necessarily look so easy for GCP is that um, in the markets, it's it, it's targeted mainly London. Um, one of the great things is that you, you're not allowed to just shove up a student block, you know, anywhere. There's really restricted planning. So it means that you can keep on pushing up rents because there's, you know, there's undersupply and it's there to stay because it's so hard to get new planning permission. Um, however, there, there are worries that it's being priced out of these markets. It's already kind of focusing on Brighton as a market with kind of similar restrictions to, um, you know, to uh, develop its new properties. But um, there, there's a question of, you know, whether the growth is able, to, it can continue um, because it may just be priced out of the markets where it can make an adequate return 
And in the other parts of the country where there aren't planning restrictions, you have these areas where there are gluts of student property, which um, obviously you don't want to be in, a, in that situation because then you don't have, you can't, you know, push prices up. Raising a lot of money as well. Through, yeah, through means yeah. which are yeah, it's not somewhat dilutive, somewhat dilutive as well for, for some shareholders. Yeah, I mean, I, I may, I may be just a you know, I, I, you know, a bit of a curmudgeon on this, but I hate companies paying out their capital as dividends and raising money at the same time. It's like, and raising know, money in a way which excludes excludes retail investors. Well, yeah, yeah, no, if they're doing, that, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm, I, you know, what I off the top of my head, I can't, I can't remember the details. Well, they're the placing. They're placings. Uh, yes, yeah, so they must have gone to institutions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we wrote about this but, last week. But, uh, I, had a, I had a letter yeah. from a reader complaining about other companies doing this um, and the dilution they yeah, have to face. Yeah, it, it although, is, although I think I think actually, um, in in terms of GCP, I'm fairly sure it was at a premium to net asset value that the okay. money was raised. So um, I think actually it would in in that case it kind of enhances existing holders. I think that's right, but again, I don't have. The details to hand, but what what does um, get on my wick, as it were, um, is is that you know if a company's raising capital, they I I I just always think logically they that should be to invest in the business rather than to pay an uncovered dividend or go towards an uncovered dividend. But um, other people seem to like it, you know. <laughs> people love dividends, man. People, people love, dividends. love dividends. Should we uh, should we turn to the. Uh... Tip updates page. Yeah, yeah, no, we had some um, tip of the year updates, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We had a couple. Uh, if I can find them, there we go. So uh, let's start with Hollywood Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Bowling. No, I, mean, I absolutely detest. Oh, really? Uh, I'm used. My, to, I'm so useless at bowling. I, I'm I'm Egg useless at it, but I I, I I do I do enjoy it. And also, that actually, my kids love. My kids love it as well. They love bowling. Yeah, there's. I mean, they're always happy when we kind of um, take on in the holidays. There's always at least once that we go bowling. They put those things up. You got their things up. In oh the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, gutters. I know. And dad isn't allowed them. <laughs> so, <laughs> dad has to be humiliated, rolling balls down the gutters. Gutters aside, <laughs> these these uh, this trading update was not in the gutter. The this was. Really strong. Yeah, so this, they're doing amazingly. Um, and, and also, what, I mean, yeah, what, you know, what the trading update, what was particularly kind of pleasing, I guess, about the update was that um, the, the like-for-like sales seem to be picking up, getting stronger, which is, you know, not something you're hearing much from, you know, com- consumer-facing, you know, leisure companies. Um, so, yeah, I think in, in the second half, the, the um, like-for-likes were kind of 6.6%. Which, you know, it's partly down to this kind of program of refurbishments they're doing, which seems to be hugely successful. Yeah, so like for like across the year, five and a half. So yeah. significant acceleration in, yeah. in the second half there. Yeah. And um, and also they said, you know, they, they generate loads of cash. Because, you know, you, one, of, one of the amazing things about, you know, running these centres at the moment is that you, um, you fit them out. A lot of the cost of running them is in that, installing that bowling lane. And that doesn't need to be very heavily staffed or anything. You know, you have you have someone, um, you know, giving the shoes over the counter and you know taking the money and things like that. But you don't love need that, love you don't... shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the reasons I hate bowling. I'm not wearing those. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so they make they make a lot of cash and they're paying a, they're paying a special. Uh, they've announced another um, special dividend payment or return of capital. Then they've also got you know in in these centres they've got um, they've got the amusement arcades and. Um, food and drink and they've been improving those and people have been spending more money there I think, last time I spoke to Phil about this I think they're also talking about uh, escape rooms 
Oh, is it, yeah. It's, um, I mean, what, what they are doing is mini golf. I mean, the, the oh, thing is that, yeah, now that I do like. Well, in, yeah, I mean, mini, mini golf, um, seems to be with my daughter who's 12. Her, her and her friends have, um, really got into mini golf at the moment, which I, I mean, I, I, I you know, it's not something that's passed me by, shall we say, but, um, well, it has passed you by. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's long gone. <laughs> my opportunity. To, um, to be a pro it, mini golfer. To be a pro mini golfer. <laughs> yeah, it just seems that, that yeah, they're, they're just, entertainment venues, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of, this is slightly Howden, Howden's-esque. They're just, you know, they're just doing things to make the business better all the time, it seems. Yeah. Um, and trying, I, to make, trying to make those assets work for them more. And I, feel, I, I know it's Phil Oakley tweeting about their update. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's very impressed with the way this company reports as well, which we've spoken about mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, yeah. he's, 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 Delving into annual reports again this week. Uh, yeah, just no. To, uh, sort of go These have been tangent. great pieces, I think. Yeah, yeah this is really, week, really useful. Week four, and he's, he's, he's sort of moved away from the numbers and he's looking at kind of sort of uh, some of the statements that companies mm-hmm. make in these things and how you decipher them. But anyway, Hollywood Bowl, liking that. And still a buy? Yeah, still a buy. And the PE is just similar to where, where we tipped it when it was a tip of the year, kind of six, 16 times earnings. And, and you've got to... With the special, you've got a five percent yield on the shares. So five percent yield, sixteen really, percent share price performance since the start of the yeah, year since we tipped them. This is uh, yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's plenty to like. I think plenty to like. Very an, an upgrade cycle. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And no, upgrades are plenty. Um, should we talk about EasyJet, which is another yeah. tip of the year, not doing quite so well. No, Although not terrible. I mean, it's not. It's not. This is not disastrous. But. Not a disaster, but um, I mean, well, it's felt like it uh, could be at certain points in the year. I keep my I fingers mean, crossed over this one. I have to say, <laughs> I mean, this is this this is it's a capital-intensive cyclical industry, and um, I mean, I, Julia's done the update, and she's just quite rightly, you know, explained uh, you know the negative reaction to this trading update, and in terms of if um, capacity growth is ahead of passenger growth investors um throw a wobbly for very good reason i mean you know you you can this is a this is a company locking in you know capital it has to have bums on seats as it were i have to say i, I struggle to, to keep to, up i struggle to keep up with easyjet because because one minute i'm looking at it and, it, and they've, they've updated the market and it seems terrible the next the next the shares are off to the races and something seems to have gone well <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then and then we get this and it's back to square one it's, it's just, it just seems to like you know this it's like Tail chasing exercise. Yeah, no, I mean it's, it's second guessing, you know, what, um, what what's going to happen and how it, how it um, tallies with uh, you know the investments they're making. And you've got all the industrial action at um, rivals as well. Yeah, but that's, that should be which good. Is, yeah, that which is be good, good for, for them. Yeah. And and also the other thing with airlines that everyone always looks out for is um, someone going bust. That's like you know, then then right, that, Cook. I mean, that was they had yeah. a big, big airline as part of that. Yeah, yeah. Has anyone bought that? I'm I, know not, I know someone's having a look at the shops. Yeah, no, Hay, Hayes Travel, Hayes um, Travel. Uh, but, uh, is, is, ta- is taking the shops, I think. I'm, um, I think, you know, I'm, I think the original financing package, um, I think the airline was, uh, I, you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole basis of this tip anyway was that EasyJet is essentially the best of a bad bunch. Yeah. It, and, it is still a growing industry. And I mean, and also, yeah, if you look over the cycle, it looks very impressive, and um, I think at the beginning of the year, everything was looking at, like it could fall into place, and it hasn't. Well, we still got. But, a few, I mean, still a few months left. We still got a few months left. <laughs> everything could turn on the sixpence again, <laughs> like it has three times this year. <laughs> it's, uh, the um, yeah, 
the the problem with trying to predict the inherently unpredictable. But it's still a very, very profitable company. I mean, this is a, it's a good business. Yes, it's, it is, and, I think, the one that you want to own long term if you want to own an airline. Yeah, yeah. And who knows what will happen throughout the rest of the year. <laughs> and Fingers uh, crossed. Fingers crossed for the tips of the year portfolio. Let's stick with that one page. I know we, we, have, we didn't sort of prep this, but AA has jumped out of me here because this is, yeah. this is a company which, which um, is also in the news section this week because there's been quite an interesting regulatory ruling here. Yeah, it's very bad news for, for the insurance sector generally, but AA among them. Yeah, I mean it's it's um it's also it's just got a lot of debt. So you're you're looking at a situation where I mean if if you have a company which is financially geared as they call it, so in other words has a huge interest burden, um you know every year it's got to pay it's got to you know pay 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 for its borrowings before it pays its shareholders, then you don't need the dial to move much for shareholders to be you know really hurt in terms of you know the earnings which are left over for them and so AA has got a lot of gearing and um, it's also could be um, hurt by this ruling which basically is about treating customers fairly I suppose you'd say at the end at the end of the day it's the pe- people talk about the loyalty premium yeah so this was a super complaint from uh, an organization called citizens advice mm-hmm. that was talking about price discrimination for customers that essentially stay, stick with their insurer yeah and the pri- and the price has been going up for those customers year after year after year and this this and, applies uh, to roadside um oh, is as that well right? apparently right, yes. okay. so um that's so that's so that's a kind of double whammy I mean, the citizens' advice um, when they put in the super complaint. I mean, they they they, they didn't mince their words. This is in effect a systematic scam. They called it. Mm-hmm. That is, that is, that's pretty yeah. punchy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's um, the, the the thing is with with businesses, it's always you know, it's it's always quite hard to quantify this kind of um, it's almost a moral question of are, are, you know are they playing are they are they acting fairly to, you know towards customers, but you know. Play, you know, playing the game with a straight bat or whatever. But, um, well, technically not, and, 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 and it has been quantified at a cost to these customers of £900 a year. Mm. Uh, and we're talking about millions of customers. No, this, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, this is it, could, it could be huge. I mean, and, and, you have, but you, and you look around and you see this kind of thing happening all, you know, all, all over the place. I mean, I, I guess utilities are, you know, the great example and um, the price cap that's been introduced. And... Um, you know, it's just it's um, when when industries get into this um, you know this situation when their when their practices are you know questionable, then normally there you know there there is a comeuppance, you know somewhere down the line. So um, yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's a real risk that investors have to bear in mind. I mean, is it is it, it could PPI, be very painful? Is it a PPI style risk where where you know redress will be paid by these companies, or or is it just like? Well, uh, a sort of moratorium I, on them doing it in the future. From from I mean I, I from from what you know I've 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 read the magazine basically, but um it's uh it 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 sounds at the moment like it's they won't be able to do this anymore. Yeah, but I mean you could you could see it escalate. I suppose I mean it's you know if they've been acting very unfairly. I, I see this a lot. I see this a lot, and in other industries, mobile phones is, is, is terrible. Yeah, where you know mobile- you, you 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 know you get to the end of your two years. Over which you've been paying for a handset, and then and you're still paying for it, and you're still paying for it, and you don't you don't check, and you know several months later you realise you've paid them seven hundred pounds for a handset that you'd already paid for. The really the really in- <laughs> the really interesting <laughs> company in the sector though is um, Telecom Plus, because that essentially is um, all, all it does is says we'll price fairly, 
that's its business model. So it kind of it buys in the services from um, other people, but then won't try. It, you know, it's, it kind of says to the people who are in its. Um, it's, it, it calls it a, a buyers or, or a club of some kind. Yeah, that, yeah. It, it just yeah. says, okay, you know, you, you, we, we'll just, you know, we'll just, you know, play fair with you. Well, you know, you're our customers. We'll, you know, we'll treat, you, we'll respect your loyalty and et cetera, et cetera. And it makes a huge amount of money from it. <laughs> you kind of think if it shouldn't really exist that business. That's it's doing what um what all what all you know all suppliers should be doing. If you know if they if they had you know if they had real foresight, yeah, or maybe that's yeah. my idealistic view of the world. It is an idealistic view of the world, Algy. <laughs> but you know we need idealists. And uh, <laughs> no, I I hundred percent agree. I think I think companies should behave fairly with their customers, uh, fairly with the levels of pay which they pay their senior executives. And, yeah, and there's, you a, know, there, there's a lot of change coming, I think. Yeah, the, change the, the, is spot, afoot. the spotlight is definitely on all, the, all, the, all these issues now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Algie. Thank you. Lots of, uh, lots of ground covered there. Let me just talk you all through what else we've got in the magazine. Sector Focus, you, this was good, Alex Newman. I know you like mm, uh, yes, this. This yeah. is on subprime finance, uh, which has been a very tricky market. And Alex has, uh, has cast his eye over that. Likes of uh, Provident Financial and uh, Amigo, which have all been having a bit of a tough time yeah. lately. And uh, unsurprisingly so, we've talked about the stock screen. Uh, lots in the personal finance and funds section, the portfolio clinic uh, and Dave Baxter. Is looking at multi-asset funds, which uh, can uh, occupy a very important role in, in many portfolios. All the usual tips and comments, including, as I mentioned, Phil's piece on reading between the lines of accounts. Some really interesting news this week. We talked about the FCA uh, and its investigation of the uh, insurance industry. Really, another interesting story is the, the London Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. The uh, Hong Kong uh, Exchange and Clearing have pulled out their approach there, which, um, many think, is quite a good thing. Let me talk you through the features. John Barron is in this week looking at emerging markets, which have been uh, a surprisingly good performer this year, even as Western markets have sort of struggled a bit as the year has progressed. Chris Dillo um, has updated his no-thought portfolios. Momentum. Momentum has stopped working. Well, you know, Chris and I, because I do a momentum screen, often, often um, I, my, my screen I find is work really well when his hasn't and vice versa it's quite it's quite, so, it's so quite there is no there is no one one there's momentum. no one momentum portfolio <laughs> it's quite it's quite funny though um and the cover feature so this is about the concept of buying into what we might call uh multi-baggers 10 baggers mm. moonshot shares which is what we've called the feature um this is this is a way of of getting rich quick basically it's it's, it's highly speculative Easy to lose a lot of money. And what we've tried to do in this feature is, is talk you through some examples in a couple of industries where the, the, this kind of approach sometimes works. Pharmaceuticals uh, and, and mm-hmm. oil and gas and mining. Tech is probably another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, lots of very interesting lessons there. Although, as I mentioned in my editorial, I went away and looked at who the real multi-baggers were on the all share and, and aim all share over the last 20 years. And very surprising. Yeah, JG Sports was JG Sports, best performer over twenty years. Yeah, really. And what 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 was the actual gain? Uh, was it was ten and a half thousand percent. <laughs> <laughs> My word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, avoid tech, buy trainers. <laughs> um, and yeah, Victoria was the best performer. Name. Yeah, Carpets Group. Yeah. Although, I th- I Although think, the magazine uh, is not a fan of Victoria. Yeah, well, that's for other reasons altogether. And, then, <laughs> and we're, we're just talking about numbers for now. So, uh, so yeah. there you go. Anyway, thank you, Algie. 
Great, thank, thank you, all, you. Thank you all for listening. Pick up the magazine and all good news agents. Moonshot shares how to invest in companies with multi-bagger potential. Uh, and we'll be back next week. See you later.